0: Good morning, church. Good morning, morning and welcome to Faith Community United Methodist Church in Xenia, Ohio, on this third Sunday after the Epiphany. Please take a moment to sign our attendance register that's located in the pews. I have a few brief announcements and just ask that you refer to your bulletins to get more details. So we'll start with please join us for the imposition of ashes on Ash Wednesday February fourteenth at seven p m uh, This is important too because this is an opportunity to serve we're still looking for volunteers to perform light duties in the office for Thursday and Friday. Uh, this is in the bulletin. I thought it was good to to uh, mention this. we collected six thousand this year at the Christmas offering and that's all going to be used for benevolences. Very thankful for all the donations for them. Um, Do you know someone connected to our church who could benefit from our casserole caravan? Providing them with a few meals? If so, get with Julie Wickline. Her number is in the bulletin. Please check out the bulletin this morning for more opportunities to serve your your church. Today is indeed a day to celebrate that by grace, it is never too late to join in God's song of good news and abundant life. Now let us prepare our hearts and our minds for worship.
1: Good morning. If you could stand as you are able, we will do the call to worship. We are gathered in worship with silence and sound. We wait upon God's grace. We are gathered in worship with focused heart and mind. We anticipate God's word. That shapes us and guides us. Our opening hymn this morning is Jesus Calls Us. It's number 398, and we're singing verses 1 through 4. be seated and if you would please join me in the opening prayer that's printed in our bulletin let us pray god of grace and wisdom we come distracted by the world our minds wander and are filled with thoughts other than you our hearts are confused and we are uncertain where we belong Call us to follow you once more. Redeem the night and bless the day that greets us this morning. May your relentless ways never fail as we strive to live as your beloved people. Amen. Now, if the children can come, we have a children's message. I think this might be working. Yay, it is. Good. Hi, guys. You know what we're going to talk about today? We're going to talk about Jesus and calling his disciples. Jesus was in Galilee, and he was walking along the Sea of Galilee, and he decided that he needed some helpers. And so he saw some people fishing. He saw Simon and his brother, Andrew, and you know what he said to them? He said, come, follow me. And you know what? They did, just like that. They left the fishing boat, their family, they left everybody to follow Jesus. Isn't that pretty amazing? And then he was walking along further, and he saw James and John, and they were fishing too. And he said to them, come here, follow me. And you know what? They did too, just like that. They left everything to follow Jesus. Now that is pretty amazing. That's like amazing trust, and I do not know how We can trust Jesus that much, but I think one way we can do it is to pray. Pray that Jesus will help us whenever we have to make decisions, because Jesus is right there. And we can always say to him, Jesus, I need you to help me. So if you have something to decide on, you can always pray to Jesus. Okay? I love your NASA sweatshirt. That's beautiful. (laughs) Really? Okay, good. Let's pray. God, thank you for these kids. Thank you for this opportunity to trust you and to know that we can always pray for your help as we go through our lives. Amen. I have the old standard standby. Thank you. It looks to me like we're going to do a responsive reading before we do our prayer hymn. So if you will turn to 787 in the hymnal, we will try to get that done. For God alone, my soul waits in silence, for my hope is from God. Who alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress, I will not be shaken. On God rests my deliverance and my honor, my mighty rock, my refuge is God. Trust in God at all times. Pour out your heart before God, who is a refuge for us. of low estate are but a breath. Those of high estate are a delusion. In the balances, they go up. They are together lighter than a breath. Put no confidence in exorciation. Set no robbery. If riches increase, set your heart on them. Once God has spoken, twice I have heard this Power belongs to God, and to you, O Lord, blessings and love, for you repay all according to their work. him this morning is, Oh Jesus, I have promised, which is number 396. And we are singing verses one through three.
0: Join me in a moment of silence. Dearest God, forgive us when we are drawn away from you, when we bend to the world and its promise for a quick dollar, when we take that one more drink, when we lash out at someone we love, when we see more promise in the world than in your son, when we deny you for the hope of riches, when we ignore our family for the sake of wealth, when we use generosity to build up ourselves as opposed to others, I pray that you lasso us in to do your will, not the world's will. I pray you open our eyes to the needs of others, I pray that you open our ears to the sounds of despair and that you show us that we are needed there. We are so often weak, but know that with your word we are strong. Thank you, God, for sticking with us. Thank you for that one more chance to serve you. Thank you for that extra ounce of strength to do your will. And God, thank you that we can join together in the prayer Jesus taught us. and the glory forever. Amen. Now will the ushers come forward as we prepare our hearts for this moment where we share, where we give back, where our generosity becomes so much a part of our worship this morning. Now join me in the prayer of dedication. God of restoration and hope, bless our gifts this morning. Make our offering a path to holy living and action. May our very lives reflect the truth of our faith and our commitment to your world. With generous hearts, we pray. Amen. Amen.
1: If you could remain standing, please, for the reading of the Gospel. The reading this morning comes from the Gospel of Mark, verses 14 through 20. The beginning of the Galilean ministry. Now, after John was arrested, Jesus came to Galilee proclaiming the good news of God and saying, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God has come near." Repent, and believe in the good news. Jesus calls the first disciples. As Jesus passed along the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of people. And immediately they left their nets and and followed him as he went a little further he saw James the son of Zebedee and his brother John who were in their boat mending their nets immediately he called them and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him the word of God for the people of God thanks be to God
0: Coming for to carry me home. Did you find yourself singing along with that? <laughs> with the handbell choir? Thank you, Jim. That was beautiful. Today's message is Believe the Good News. And I am so happy that I can stand here and declare to you that the good news is Jesus Christ. When Pastor Jeff Bandy asked me to deliver the message for today, and next Sunday, by the way, the first thing I did was to refer to the lectionary, and I'm sure many of you have heard of it, which is the United Methodist Church way to prepare us to provide a balance of New Testament and Old Testament verses as lessons and to spread them over 52 weeks of sermons and also special days in between. The lectionary also guides us as to what colors should be displayed at the altar and on the choir robes. For example, because we are on the third Sunday after Epiphany, we are green. We are green. We are green. Our interesting responsive reading today was recommended by the lectionary. Our verses to study today were recommended by the lectionary. So that made it real easy for me to figure out what I need to talk about today. The church has given us the lectionary, and they start with two verses from Mark's gospel, and our title is Believe the Good News. I'm not a theologian. I am not a pastor, but I read the Bible. And every time I do, something seems to be different in the message. How about you? Have you noticed that? Its meaning kind of depends a lot on what is happening in your life at the time. Am I looking for guidance? Am I seeking inspiration? Am I angry? Am I afraid? Am I happy? Am I sick? Am I hurting? Did I hurt someone? What version of Victor Hess is reading the Bible that day? That moment. Many times I can sense the Holy Spirit reaching into that verse I am reading and squeeze those words and filter them into my heart. And sometimes I get the message. Thank God that we have the gift of the Holy Spirit, and I pray that it moves through us on this cold winter morning. We should read the Bible more, right? I'm glad our church believes that. Sunday school classes here are Bible-focused. We have Bible study classes during the week. Our men's group here opens our meetings with prayer and Bible study. Our current study is called God Calls You to More. And you'll see that that's an appropriate title for uh, what we're talking about today. It's a message today about Jesus calling us and how we respond. One point here is that the Bible is alive and not meant just to be read once. Yes, you read it again and again, because each time you read it, there is a new message. More good news that God wants you to hear, and the Holy Spirit is always there to stir our hearts and our souls into Christian action. So as I prepared for today... My research took me to two particular commentaries. One is that of William Barclay's The Daily Bible Study series, and the other is Through the Bible by J. Vernon McGee. William Barclay provides excellent historical perspective, and McGee shares a good dose of common sense. Some of us have memories of listening listening to Dr. McGee's radio broadcasts. So I used their commentaries to help me through this morning. In today's verse, we learn that John the Baptist is no longer preaching in Galilee. Herod has put him in prison, but not before he had foretold Jesus' coming, ending 400 years of prophetic silence. Yes, Herod had put John the Baptist into prison, but not before John baptized Jesus in the Jordan River. And witnessed a voice from heaven to Jesus proclaiming him son of God. Listen to Mark's account. Now, after John was arrested, Jesus came to Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God and saying, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe. In the good news. All to have been there. Jesus is immediately with no hesitation declaring the good news. Yes, Herod put John in prison, but it was too late. John was that voice crying in the wilderness, and Jesus was there to fulfill the prophecy. According to William Barclay, this summary of the message gives us the three great dominant words of the Christian faith. There is the good news. There is the word repent. And then there is the word believe. But Barclay does not stop there. He gives us some specifics. Let's start with his take on good news. What makes this good news good? Barclay says it is the good news of truth. Until Jesus came, men could only guess and grope after God. But with the coming of Jesus, men see clearly what God is like. No longer do they need to guess and grope, they know. It is the good news of hope. The ancient world was a pessimistic world. The coming of Jesus brings hope to the helpless heart. It is the good news of peace. Man's trouble has always been that he's capable of doing bad and good. The coming of Jesus unifies that disintegrated personality into one. We find victory over our warring self by submitting to Jesus Christ. It is the good news of God's promise. It is true to say that men always thought rather of a God of threats than a God of promises. Non-Christian religions think of a demanding God, but it is Christianity that tells of a God who is more ready to give than we are to ask. It is the good news of immortality. To the pagan, life was the road to death. Man was characteristically a dying man. But Jesus came with good news that we are all on the way to life rather than death it is the good news of salvation it is not simply liberation and escape from past sin it is the power to lift to live life victoriously and to conquer sin the message of jesus is good news indeed the good news god's promise is being fulfilled our waiting is over. The time is fulfilled. And then he says the kingdom of God is near. He means soon, soon and very soon. Mark lets us know in as few words as possible what John the Baptist has been preaching, that God's promise, God's kingdom was on its way. And then Jesus showed up. And the good news for us here today is that we don't have to wait. We don't have to wait. Jesus calls us, Christian, follow me. We don't have to wait. Repent and believe, Jesus said. The definition of repent is to turn from sin and to dedicate oneself to the change of one's life. You know that sin has consequences. And in this world, the consequences of sin, let's say a lie, is when we are caught. We get punished. If we don't get caught or discovered, we may forget our sin. But God does not forget and relies on us to not only be sorry for the consequence of that sin, but to hate sin itself. Repentance means that the man who was in love with sin comes to hate sin because of its its exceeding sinfulness. Repeat, repent, and sin no more. There's the word believe. Believe in the good news, says Jesus. Barclay suggests that to believe in the good news simply means to take Jesus at his word. To believe that God is the kind of God that Jesus has told us about. To believe that God so loves the world that he will make any sacrifice to bring us back to himself. To believe that what sounds too good to be true is really true. With some, we are raised up in the church. With others, it's curiosity that brought us to church. But it is us believing, yes, believing that Jesus is the good news that That's what keeps us here at church. That belief in the good news is what was so attractive to the fishermen in Galilee. So Mark continues his story. As Jesus passed along the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And Jesus said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of people. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. As he went a little further, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, who were in their boat mending their nets. Immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. Now Mark did not tell us that these particular fishermen had been waiting for the scriptures to be fulfilled. But they were. He didn't tell us that every time these fishermen heard a new teacher or rabbi or self-proclaimed prophet recite the old prophecies, they hoped the scriptures were being fulfilled. But they and their mothers and fathers before them were repeatedly disappointed that their persecution was to continue and continue. Don't forget, they had been waiting for how long? For 400 years. At this time, their anticipation was that whoever fulfilled the scriptures was going to defeat whatever woes were facing them at the time. It was the Romans and their taxes. The verse is written in third person. I think about things like that. You know I write books. I think about third person, first person. It's written from the perspective of an observer watching Jesus an observer watching the fishermen, and then telling us what he sees. It's like us being in a theater, watching a movie. He was walking beside the Sea of Galilee. He called them. They left their nets and followed him. Can you visualize that? They went away after him. In Mark's account about Jesus inviting the fishermen to be fishers of men, they were just fishing, and maybe they were frustrated with the day's catch. How about these fishermen? How did they feel at the time? What, was, what about Simon's brother, Andrew? What if he wrote the account? It might go something like this. Uh, we were messing with our nets when the teacher we had seen the other day stopped by our boat. He just looked at us for a moment. And suddenly my fears were gone just by him looking at me. How could that be? It was such a, I I don't know, a comfort. Then Jesus said, follow me. I will make you fishers of men. And then after that, Peter looked over at me and said, let's go, Andrew. And we did. Right then, we followed Jesus. Zebedee The father of James and John may have had a different feeling. He was watching over his workers, and suddenly they just left. He might have felt that he lost good workers as he watched his two sons follow Jesus. Truly, how did Zebedee feel? These fishermen were choosing a totally new world at the simple request of Jesus. They were choosing to enter a new life. They weren't stealing away like in the night or something. No, they were following Jesus in the broad daylight. There, for all to witness, they stopped what they were doing and they followed Jesus. Would it have made any difference who Jesus called to join him at that beach in Galilee? Could it be that any 12 people who were willing to follow Jesus could make such a difference in the world? That the mere condition of knowing Jesus and a simple commitment to follow him is empowerment enough. That a Tyler, a Sally, a Jane, or a William only needs to listen to Jesus and believe that to follow him will impact the world like the disciples and apostles did. What keeps that message alive? They had heard John the Baptist telling them to get ready. After 400 years of prophetic silence, John was prophesying and baptizing. Word about John and his prophecies had spread. Something was coming. After 400 years, something was coming soon. John said so. The hope was good news, and they believed it. Let me read you what William Barclay says about the fishermen. We must notice what they were. They were simple folk. A man should never think so much of what he is as of what Jesus Christ can make of him. We must notice what they were doing when Jesus called them. They were doing a day's work, catching the fish and mending the nets. The call of God can come to them not only in the house of God, not only in the secret places, but in the middle of a day's work. The man who lives in a world that is full of God cannot ever escape him. We must notice how he called them. Jesus' summons was, follow me. It is not to be thought that on this day he stood before them for the first time. No doubt they had stood in crowds and listened. No doubt they had stayed to talk long after the rest of the crowd had drifted away. No doubt they already felt the magic of his presence and the magnetism of his eyes. He said, follow me. It all began with a personal reaction to himself. It all began with that big tug on the heart, which begets the unshakable loyalty. They believed him. They believed Jesus was the good news. Barclay continues, Lastly, we must note that Jesus, what Jesus offered them, he offered them a task. He called them not to ease, but to service. Someone has said that every person needs, what every person needs is something in which he can invest his life. So Jesus called these men not to a comfortable ease and not to a lethargic inactivity, He called them to a task in which they would have to spend themselves and burn themselves up and in the end die for his sake and for the sake of their fellow men. We believe that the news is good. We believe that Jesus is the good news and we follow. And we believe that the good news gives us purpose to be fishers of people. We constantly seek forgiveness. We constantly seek healing. When we hurt someone, we hurt ourselves. We are not always our best. But all that does not keep Jesus from calling us. Follow me, he says. I will make you fishers of people. We are all here today because we are seeking Christ. We are either curious about Christ and his message to us Or we are here because we believe and are willing to believe. Listen to Jesus. He tells us here, now, collectively, follow me, church. I will make you fishers of people. Just follow me. Follow me. Amen. The closing hymn is number 358 in your hymnals. Dear Lord and Father of Mankind, we'll sing verses one Two, three, please stand. The kingdom of God is near. The kingdom of God unfolds throughout our lives. Go in peace, redeemed and blessed, for you are never alone. Amen.